This episode is sponsored by Esteep Conversation's favorite, Conjure Tea. Conjure Tea is a woman-owned, black-owned tea business that was founded by pastry chef Shania Thomas-Floyd. If you want to support local businesses and drink great tea, Conjure Tea is your answer. The teas I'm digging most right now are Golden Ticket and Decadence. Decadence is a tasty tea that is exactly the combination you'd hope for from a pastry chef. Black tea with rose petals, strawberry pieces, and cocoa nibs. If that's not your bag, you've got to try Golden Ticket, a turmeric-based tea that helps with joint stiffness and inflammation. I was never on the turmeric train before, but let's just say my joints aren't getting any younger, and this is a tasty fix for that problem. The company has been kind enough to give 15% off your first online order to all Steep Conversations listeners by using code STEEP15 on ConjureTea.com. That's promo code S-T-E-E-P-15 to get 15% off your first order at C-O-N-J-U-R-E-T-E-A.com. The only thing that really is different between us. Yeah. You have facial, you have a little bit more hair. I gotta tell you, it's not great. It doesn't grow any of it. <laughs> but anyways, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. There's some more hair on yeah. your body. Not just facial, I'm guessing, you know. It doesn't look good on the chest either. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. For those who are steeping with us at home, our steeple, our steepers, our, our steepy people. Nice. I don't know what we have, you know. Steepy peepee. No, that doesn't I work. would probably wouldn't use that. What we are drinking, it is called Tea Short by Hella Tea. Hella Tea, I've, we've had this, not this specific tea, but Hella Tea before on the podcast. Mm -hmm. It is a, a Bay Area based tea company. It is woman owned. It is black owned. Please go support it. It is so great. And they name all their teas after things in the Bay. Tea Short is named after Too Short who is a rapper out of the Bay Area. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and this is an herbal tea. So for those drinking at home, I would say it's probably, I would do about a teaspoon a cup. This is a judgment-free tea zone. So kind of steep as you want, but I steeped this one for about seven minutes, but you could probably do between like five and 10. Are you a tea drinker also outside of this podcast? Every day. Really? Yeah. So when you wake up, no coffee, just tea. What's really interesting is that there's this weird divide of people who are like, you're either tea or your coffee. And I'm like, no, like I enjoy a good latte. I had a latte this morning, but I also knew I was going to get tea with you this evening. So I was like, oh, I'm going to have my tea fix. But like tomorrow, for example, I might start with a black tea to start my day because I really enjoy black tea. And then maybe do like herbal or like again, Maicha, which is super low caffeine. In the I afternoon. think you might be the only person that has ever told me that. Like I literally only know people go, yeah, it's going to be coffee in the morning or it's going to be tea. Like there's no... I, yeah, I've never met anybody who's like, I'll figure it out in the morning. Either it's coffee or maybe it's tea. I totally get the people who like drink coffee and tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the morning. Oh, in the morning, you're coffee exclusively. It's either coffee or tea, people, mm, I mm. feel. Which are you? Well, coffee. Okay. Oh, yeah. Are you one of those people who can have like three shots? You could do cold brew or whatever, and then you're totally fine in the afternoon? Oh, no, I can drink coffee. Any, any amount, any intensity. I'm going to be fine. I mean, at some point I get like sleepy, yeah. like it's too much. I'm, I don't get giddy. I get very like sleepy and almost depressed. I feel like, when I, <laughs> yes, I blame every time I'm depressed. I'm like, it's the coffee, you know? That's, oh my that's, God. That's what I'm going with. Yeah. I don't know. Cause I haven't been drinking coffee every minute of the day for the past two years. So I don't know <laughs> if that's what's doing it, but um, <laughs> I don't know. No excuse. I wanted, before I jump into the travel, just for the people listening at home, wanted to tell them about you. Okay. You are probably one of my favorite people that I've met in mm -hmm. my comedy travels. We met in, now I don't remember the exact venue. I know mm -hmm. we met in the Bay and that's actually the reason I chose Hella Tea is because we met for Where the first time in the Bay. Meet? I don't know. Mm. But I know that, I think we were already friends when I did your show. Oh yes, for sure. It was, we, uh, what was it called? Something Half? Close Up Comedy. Close Up Comedy. Close Up Comedy. Yeah. What was the name of that cafe? Matching Half. Matching you, you Half. Got it. You got it. Um, I don't remember where I met you, but I just know I immediately felt I, like I'd known you for a long time. I remember us meeting in LA at some open mic and yeah and then uh, we both kind of bombed. That sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> I 
sound like I'm like, that sounds accurate. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's what you do. Yeah, 100%. And, and Mike's in LA. And we just chatted afterwards and you were just refreshingly professional about it. You were just like, all right, uh, I got, you know, you have your Excel sheet. Oh my you, God. That you bought and you're you calling me. me out. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. You can cut it if I'll, you want no, to. No, I'll tell, I'll tell everybody. Yeah, go ahead. And, and it, I, I was just so mesmerized about that. You, you, you seemed like somebody who has totally got it down. Oh gosh. Like I have the extra sheet. I'm, I know which punchline I'm going to uh, try next. And I have these and these mics lined up. Like you had a plan and mm. I, I was just going, all right, what, what mic should I do next? Kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you were just so approachable and so nice. And in LA, Thanks, there's a lot of people who might be nice, yeah. but you never know. Whether that's actually true. Well, yeah. but that's because here you're like, are they nice to me because I'm making this up? Like, are they nice because I have a show? Or are exactly. they nice to me because I, I write for television or whatever? You don't know. Obviously, we met here, but I want to say maybe what, six months before the pandemic hit? Is that when you went to Berlin? I went to Berlin in May of 2020. Oh, you, you in the middle of the pandemic, in you the moved to Berlin. In the middle of the pandemic. From here. here. Okay, yeah. I had torn my ACL. I was on crutches. Yeah, I right before the pandemic, everything came together for me. Tore the ACL by climbing in a free climbing gym right before a show. Did you do the show? You must not have Oh, done fuck it. yeah. Yes, I did. <laughs> I love how you just, you could curse if you want I to. Can. Yeah, okay. you want to. I can. Okay. In a minute, I was like, uh, okay. Yeah. First of all, I didn't know it was torn. Okay. It was hurting like hell, but it didn't snap. It didn't do, you know, when you, usually when a ligament snaps, it makes a sound and you know it snapped. Sure. But it didn't do any of that. So I was like, oh yeah, it's just going to be, you know, a little swollen and ugh, because it just bent, you know, like 90 degrees. Ugh. Yeah, it was gross. And so I was like, all right, I'll just get a crutch, get crutches from the, from the, from the bouldering place. And I just literally hopped over to flappers where I had the show and I came up with the crutches on stage and people thought it was a prop and they actually, people thought I was joking. I was like, no, I'm not, you know, this is it. And I did my set and it was funny and it was good. And then six weeks after the fact, I was like, maybe I should actually go see a doctor. This isn't getting. Hold on. Did you say six weeks yeah. or six days? No, six weeks. What is wrong with you? Because I thought, what's the doctor going to say? He's going to just go, put it up, I shit, and just don't, you know, mess with it for because a Because obviously you're, you're a doctor, so you're like, <laughs> I got it. Well, as we now know, in the pandemic, we all became virologists and That's doctors true. and everything. That's true. And also I didn't have health insurance. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to do it. Oh, oh no. Yeah, our health insurance here is crazy. Yeah. But I did have an accident insurance because I knew if something's going to happen, it's going to be an accident. But because I waited six weeks, they didn't cover the. Are you kidding? Yeah, I just don't I know. know what to do with you. So I know. I even went on tour with it. Like I went, I went to Arkansas, to uh, Oklahoma, to Kansas, and did the road. Were you driving? No. Thank God. Well, how were you getting these? Were you flying? I was flying there and then meeting the headliner. I was the feature. Mm. He was driving me around. Okay, so so you didn't have to mess too much with your leg on that. I mean. You were walking on stage, but yeah. you didn't have to do a lot of like crazy transportation work to get. Yeah, but in the airport with, because uh, you can't schlep anything. You have to put everything. Walking through the airports. and that, oh, So yeah, at some yeah. point I was like, yeah, I'm going to be the grandma in the, in the wheelchair for a while now. I did that. I was just, I was. You did wheelchairs at the airport? Oh, yeah. Oh my God. Which was the best idea. And I didn't do it for a long time. Dude, I had arms. I've, I've, I was never this buff. Like I was, because I had a, you know, backpack and every, oh, it was terrible terrible idea. And then I had to get surgery and with COVID, they were just postponing all the non-essential surgery dates. And I was like, because <gasps> I was going to ask, uh, I think I'm going to get it now. And your surgery was in LA and kept getting pushed out. Yeah. No, it was scheduled, but I was super nervous. It was going to get pushed out. And I was probably the last one that got the ACL. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. Cause this was in February. No, in March, 17th of March is when I had my, are you kidding? Yeah. That was right in the yeah, heat. Yeah. So, and I was, I was also like, okay, am I going to get COVID? But then my, my, my knee is fixed. You know, like, um, what do I Interesting trade-off. Yeah. Exactly. And so I was like, I'm going for the knee. I was out of commission in my bed. Couldn't go anywhere anyway. I was going to say, there's nowhere to go. Yeah. But, but, but could you even prepare food for yourself? I, barely. I could barely get out of bed. And that was the problem. Nobody could come cook for me or help me. And I had so many nice people that would just drop off food in front of my door. I would have would done just, that. I don't think I even knew this was happening. No, it's all good. Thank you, though. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And then when it kind of healed, I was like, okay, Am I even getting back on a flight to Europe? Because they were canceling all the flights. And luckily oh gosh, in May. Yes, they were. 
Yeah. I'm like, sorry, I'm like living this right now. I'm like, oh my gosh, they, I've totally forgot. How did you get out? So I was thinking I'm going to rush out, but then I was like, I have an ACL surgery. I cannot rush. So I'm just going to wait it out a little bit. And I waited like two months until May to heal at least a little bit. And then by then there were actually flights again. Not a lot. I was going to say they couldn't have been couple. a lot. And it, it had was, to be cheap. Super cheap. Yeah, yeah, Of yeah. course I was going like, not first class, but you know, premium economy was like, yeah. Yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah, get that, yeah, get that <laughs> get leg up. Yeah. And so, yeah, and then I was in Europe. Did you go directly to Berlin or you, you did you hit a couple of spots before you settled in Berlin? You mean when I arrived and during the pandemic? Yeah, when you decided, so when you decided, you're like, all right, in May, I'm flying to Europe. Was your thought, I'm flying to Berlin and that's where I'm going to stay? Or was your thought, I'm going to fly to Europe, I don't really care where, and just kind of figure out where I want to be? Oh, no, I lived in Berlin before I moved to the States. So you were very familiar with Berlin? Yeah. Okay. And I love Berlin. That's great. I and love it, it too. And it has a good comedy scene now. Yeah. You yeah. know, English and German speaking comedies. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to Berlin. And um, I didn't think it was going to get back up because- the pandemic, but then in June, I want to say June 1st, because you know, Germany had really good numbers the first yeah, wave. I, I don't know if you remember. I do remember that. So they just opened up everything and we had live shows, limited capacity. Okay. Up until November, I would do shows every night, English and German. And German was so weird because yeah, I'm German, but I'm also in the States for eight years, you know, like, but I don't know what that makes me anymore. Whatever you want to be, it makes you unique. Yeah. And unique. Oh, yes. that is so funny. Oh, you're a comedian. Yeah, like, yeah, I know. Listen, I, I uh, hire me, everyone. Hire me. I'm looking right down the barrel. Yes. Anyway, um, and so now I'm trying to play both markets, you know? Europe. Right now? Mm -hmm. That's kind of also why I moved to New York because it's not that far from Europe. I'm going to try to- I was wondering why you settled into New York because, I mean, it's interesting. Your style of comedy, notwithstanding the fact that you can do it in two languages. So let's take that out of the equation for a second. Your style of comedy kind of can work anywhere. So when you chose New York, my thought was like, oh, there's got to be a reason. Maybe you're trying to get closer to like, like late night writing gigs out there or something like that. But no, it was to be closer so you could be, I mean, bi-coastal is the wrong word, bi-country, bi-continental. That's the idea. Also, to be honest, I visited New York in September 2019 and it was okay. like 10 days. I was doing four shows a night. Oh my gosh. Each 10 minutes. And that was completely possible because you could just take the the train as sure. we now as as we as New Yorkers say yeah, yeah, the train. Yeah. I used to say metro. And I people, caught you about saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People were like train. I'm like all right. So yeah. yeah, and so I loved it, and it's a little closer to my culture, I guess. Oh, interesting. Then the West Coast. I just loved it, and because when I moved here, I couldn't almost trust my humor and my instinct of what I thought was funny because. I was seeing a new culture and I was like, okay, I got to adapt to that. What, what do Americans find funny? Okay. This was going on in my head the entire time. And so when I was in New York, that went away and I was like, oh, I can just fully trust what I find funny and then do that. And they find yeah. it funny too. And I was yeah. like, perfect. And that's when you, when you're inspired and when you write on stage, right? You write literally, you try stuff and it works and you're like, hell yeah. And I'm doing this and this and that. And you get inspired. Whereas here or on the road, I would constantly be like, wait, so I got to tell them about me being German because accent. Do they even know Germany? Oh, uh, yeah, of course, everybody knows Germany. But okay, how do I not just talk about the Holocaust and stuff like that? Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, like I constantly was considering all this shit in, in New York. That all went away. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm moving here. And that was even before the pandemic. And then in Europe, I had the same feeling. Because it's very international. Everybody is kind of, you know, from somewhere. And even English comedy, obviously, in, in Berlin is a lot of expats, you know. So, sure, I imagine, yeah. Yeah, so it got me into this, you know, where now I'm like, oh, yeah, I can do comedy that I think is funny. Were you, I mean, is the implication there that there were certain points where you were doing comedy where you're like, I don't think this is funny, but I think it's going to make people laugh? I think so. I think mm. I bend over backwards a couple times, you know, just yeah. to be like, I know they find it funny. I find it terrible, but got to talk about it, I guess. No, I get that. There are like clips of stand up that, that, that go off on TikTok or go off on Instagram or whatever. If you write to the algorithms, it's not what you want to say, right? Like I'm, I'm working right now on about 15 straight minutes about my relationship with Jess mm -hmm. because it to me it tight is fifteen right now. It's not super tight, but okay. I, but I'm gonna tighten it back down and then add back up to it until it's tight. Till it's a very compact, solid fifteen. 
Okay. Um, right now it's a little free flowing 15, um, uh, admittedly. Uh, but I do think about like, that's what I'm working on now. I know factually when I go into certain rooms, that's not what they want to hear. They don't want to hear about the uh, the guy next door, white boy who's in a relationship and is talking about it. That's not really what they want to hear, but that is what I want to talk about right now. Hmm. And I think that what that creates is that I'm never going to change what I want to say for them, but I am up to the challenge of helping them understand why this is funny and helping them find joy in what I'm saying. It's such a fine line and such an interesting topic. I live for, by the way, I live for conversations like this. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think you're onto something. I think you have to find something funny. Absolutely. First and foremost. Otherwise, it's never going to fly because comedy to me is energy. If I find something funny, I'm creating this energy of like, oh man, this is going to... And then it translates. That that's just, I'm not an actor, but I'm guessing that's the same in acting. Sure. If I'm going to be sad and I look into a camera, I'm going to be really sad. That emotion translates, right? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm thinking, to me anyway, that's how I figured it out. And so definitely that's the number one point. I'm always going to measure any jokes that I'm doing now against that standard. And the second point, for me, comedy, and we talked about this earlier, is, is all about how much are you going to share about you? Yeah. You're, you're putting yourself out there. You're talking about your relationship with your girlfriend. Topics might not be relatable to everybody, but mm. let's say they're all singles. Yeah. Which has happened. Yeah. Which has probably happened and will always happen. Always. Or widowed or whatever, you know. But is it really so much about how you say goodnight to your girlfriend or whatever the joke is? Or is it about how Josh Lanzett, am I pronouncing this right? Yeah, Lanzett. Yeah, Lanzett yeah. thinks about the world. Like what really comes through in a joke for me is your take on life. And to me, and you know, I find you hilarious, is is that you you talk fast and you have, you're, you're self-conscious and you you're doubting yourself all the time. You know what I mean? Like it's, uh, yeah, it's, I still do all of that. <laughs> yeah, and that's, and that's 100% happening. And that's the funny to me. And I'm yeah. sure it comes through in anything you talk about. What's tough about that though, and I'm curious what your take on this is, because your energy on stage, in my opinion, is very positive. When I watch you, I find it very infectious. It's, there's a joy to what you do. The challenge in having that, because I have a similar approach, is that when you want to start hitting on some darker topics, it presents a dissonance for audience members. So a really good example, okay? And not to get into like joke dissection, because I don't want to bore the hell out of all the tea drinkers out there. But there's a joke that I do where I talk about how when Jess and I have a fight, I secretly pray for a natural tragedy to occur in that moment so that we both get distracted so the fight ends, okay? <laughs> Which is like so ridiculous. <laughs> Now, uh, so Josh, that's what I'm saying. Your personality comes across in just that joke. But because people like you and me have a very positive, joyous energy on stage, you start turning dark and the whole room just the, sucks the air right out of it. And what's the problem with that? Well, there's no laugh at the end of that. So? It's a comedy show. Well, you work on getting them back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, in my new album, which I'm sure we're also going to talk about, I talk about how the Holocaust affects German people yeah. and how we have a culture of remembrance. And I almost cried on stage. Okay. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps again because in Germany, you can't walk on any sidewalk without stumbling over what we call the actual stumbling stones. And they are stones on the pavement that are engraved with the names of the Holocaust victims when they were born, when they were deported, and when they died. And the stones are in front of the residences where they last lived. Mm. So you see, God, I'm getting goosebumps. You see the name of the male and a female and then a younger person. And you kind of, in your mind, you, the story starts. And so you have this whole story and then you're like, oh God, okay. You walk to the next building and there's six other stones. You walk to the next building, there's 10 stones. You're like, fuck, you're crying. Yeah, how can you not? Yeah. And it's terrible, but it's so good because as Germans, we're very, very, very aware of this and it, I don't want it to end. And when I came here, not that I want to compare anything, but I was like, how do we remember the atrocities in this country? And it's, there isn't a lot. There are two, well, the problem is there are so many of them that it's hard to catalog <laughs> them. <laughs> I yeah. kind of, I, and then how do you make that funny? When I talked about this cobblestone or stumbling stone thing, the whole room, like we just are in this moment of like, yeah, yeah. this whole heaviness. And granted, it's not comparable to, I wish some more tragedies happened, but it's a very serious topic. It's a tough one. But I want that. I want 
not just to talk about, you know, dick jokes and people like, oh, this, Anik was funny and uh, go home. I want them to go home and be like, oh, shit. Yeah, there's there's that. That's right. We have no museums on slavery. Why not? Oh, we have one. Yeah, but one, <laughs> you know. Yeah, what's interesting is I think about a lot of that, you know, so there's a, a big chunk of material I've started doing about masculinity and femininity. Mm-hmm. My point that I make in having a lot of that discussion is that we have decided to align certain activities, foods, smells, clothes on one line or the other. Yep. <clears throat> that is masculine or this is feminine. Yep. Yep. What I've learned as I've gotten older is that everything that everyone says, oh, like that's girly, don't do that. That's so feminine is awesome. Oh, something smells really nice. That candle is nice. Oh, well, hold on. If it's flowery or it's summery or it smells a little bit like maybe a, something clean, well, that's too way too feminine. And think about how much you have to be on guard with these, how much energy you guys wasted with that stuff where you oh, could just yeah. be like, oh, this smells amazing. And I don't have to think, oh, is this too flowery? Dating and living with a girl, I have more candles in this house than I've ever seen you. in my life. And can I say something? I like lighting them more than she does. There you go. Yeah. I, I go lit one it. and she goes, did you light a candle? And I was like, it's white sage. Also, it's very spiritual. You know, we're yeah. very, like, look at the ancient cultures. There's always been fire and Absolutely. spiritual stuff. And I mean, I'm actually sad. We lost it. And to your point of masculinity and femininity, one of the things I love in my yeah. gender journey for sure is that I've, I never grew up with, you know, toxic masculinity. Really? How, how boys would, you know? Oh, 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 I see. As in, no, Josh, you can't light candles. That's, that's a little feminine. Or, um, I don't know, grow up, grow a pair, don't cry, you know, whatever. Whatever narrative a lot of boys, I'm sure, have heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That make them into this, oh, no, I can't like this. That's gay. And ooh, that's where yeah. I've never went through that. Yeah. Actually, it's the opposite for me. I was raised as a girl, yeah, right? Yeah. So in a way, it was like, no, you got to like candles. You got to like. So it was the opposite almost where they're p- trying to push you in that direction. Yeah. Which, I, to be honest, I don't want to do that either. No. I don't want to be. I want someone to just be like, here are flowers. Here are scents. Here are pedicures, whatever the things are. Yeah. If you want it, go for it. Listen. The only thing that really is different between us. Yeah. You have facial, you have a little bit more hair. I gotta say, it's not great. It doesn't grow any of it. <laughs> but anyways, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. There's some more hair on <laughs> yeah. your body. Not just facial, I'm guessing, you know. It doesn't look good on the chest either. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Probably in parts where you don't want to have hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's some more skin in some parts. Sure. That's about it. 100%. Are we really that different? I mean, I know that the brain is also a little different. Oh, like, see, I wouldn't even know that. I believe you, but I wouldn't know anything about like, that. Like, you know how they say men have more of a, um, the, the field of vision is not is not as peripheral as it is for women. Is that true? Yeah. Oh. That's why men are m- much more focused on, okay, this is here, and they don't see left and right, and women see everything, right? Well, I think women see everything with everything. You know what I mean? Uh, it's yeah. like, yeah, my yeah. whole life. I make a joke on that uh, now where I'm like, people... With a lot of male energy, they go to problem solving right away, right? Okay, problem, got to solve it, got to solve it. Okay, what what can we do? You know, in your head, you're going three options. You list them all. I feel attacked right now. (laughs) Go ahead. And the woman goes, no, you're not listening to me. And they repeat the problem. And all they want to hear is just, that sounds rough. Tell me more. That's it. Can I tell you what we do in this household? Mm -hmm. I swear to God, this is true. Okay. In this household, when Jess is upset, I think she'd be fine with me sharing this. When Jess is upset, I say to her, are we inventing mode or solution mode? Oh, I love it. And then it. she'll tell me. Now, I will admit, I've been guilty of once when we're inventing mode, occasionally trying to steer mm-hmm. the car towards it's solution so mode. Tempting. It's so tempting. Oh, we can't not do it. The other day, this was happening. And and I tried to just like push push the car a hint. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, Jess saw that wheel turn even a centimeter. Oh, and yeah. goes, no, no, no. <laughs> and I was like, no, you're right, you're right. <laughs> I, ooh, I tried to turn it. I should probably just sit in the passenger seat. You know, I think it's all about rephrasing. This is how I solved it in my head. Yeah. You solve her problem by listening to her. That's incredible. Because That's incredible. It's venting. So her problem is she needs to vent. That is an incredible reframing that I have been on this earth for 30 plus years and I have not considered that. <laughs> Well, we can wrap up the podcast no, no, now. No, no, no. Um, I do want to take this opportunity to get, I, 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 we are so delinquent oh, on the first God. the first segment. I feel terrible. Yes. We will cue the music now and post. 
for those who are listening at home, this is a new friend game. It's like the newlywed game, but we're friends. I am going to ask you a question. We are both going to write down our answers. We'll flip our boards on the count of three and see if we have the same answer. If we do, we get a point. And then we will do a question for me. We will flip our boards and see if we have the same answer. All right. So you spent a lot of time in Berlin. I've been to Berlin as well. My question for you is if I had not been to Berlin, I was going to Berlin. If I could only do one thing, what is the one thing you are recommending that I do? It could be eat a certain food, a certain restaurant, do an activity, any of these things. Oh, okay. I'll go with this. Mm. I'm going to write this. I don't think you wrote this, but I'm going to explain why I thought you would say this. Okay. Okay. Do you want to so, start? So we'll flip your board on the count of three. One, two, three. Oh, I love that answer. So Anik's answer was eat curry worst, which I didn't write. I wrote the Berlin Wall Tour and I'm going to tell you why. Okay. I wrote the Berlin Wall Tour because I did the Berlin Wall Tour. And what I thought was really interesting about that tour was that it gave me some history about that place, but also helped me understand a lot of the culture that has kind of been built from the Berlin Wall. Mm. And a lot of the things that informed like the areas of Berlin that I was in, I like I, I hung out for a while and I'm going to forget the name. It started with an F, I think. Friedrichshain. Yes. Yes. And it's kind of more the hipster area, mm -hmm. right? So I was spending some time there and I learned how the Berlin Wall falling mm. contributed to that culture. So- I know someone like you who is kind of, I would call you almost like an anthropologist enthusiast. Like I think you really are interested in the way people live and kind of the, the things about a culture. True. So that's why I went with this. That's a very good answer. It's wrong. And it's wrong. I know, but it, the reasons are the similar. Okay. My answer is eat currywurst because if you would come to Berlin, I would want you to get to the bottom of Berlin culture. Okay. And understand the people. And it's not just about the food in this instance, but the currywurst stands are like, you know, they're this these completely rundown, shitty stands. <laughs> I'm sure they would love you describing it like that too. Yeah. yeah. No, they do, you know? Yeah, yeah. And and it's scrappy food, but they don't give a shit, you know? And that's the culture there. Berlin culture is very like, oh yeah, I don't give a shit like that. But then also this very, you, you fall, I fall in love with Berlin because it's, these non-typical things you see and those curvy stands are just one of them. They're they're in the in the funniest places and they just look yeah. great and and outdoor spaces and you're like, oh shit, this is amazing graffiti everywhere, you know, like that. And so you would actually like jump right into the Berlin culture and that's what I one for you. So it's kind of the same. Well, so I'm going to write down, okay, so we're going to do what I would recommend in, in Berlin. I don't think you're going to get this. Okay, I went, I went literally with the most, one, two, three. Okay. Oh, you're already ready. Oh, shit. A Brandenburger tour. What is that? It's a big Arc de Triomphe. Oh, oh, I did see that. I 100% saw that. I was going to write Berghain. That was my actual, that was my second one. Is, so I went to a beer garden in a big park hmm. in Berlin and I don't remember. So I wrote beer garden outdoors. Okay. And the reason I wrote that is because I went to do that just because like people are like, well, you should do that. I'm like, okay. And there were a bunch of, actual Germans who were there hanging out. Mm -hmm. I just like walked up to a table and was like, hi, like, you know, uh, what's up and whatever. And I was expecting them to just be like, don't talk to me. They were very nice. They gave me, you know, recommendations on like a good beer they liked. Went and talked to the bartender. He was really friendly. And I just like sat outdoors and just like mm. took in my surroundings mm. and it was beautiful. Mm. And I just kind of like people watched and I was like, mm. this is it felt like having like a sneak peek into what Berlin was like to people who live there. And it was so lovely. I love that. Um, so that's why I said that. And now do you know what I wrote under it? Oh, of course I know what the Kit Kat Club is. Okay. I have been to oh, the Kit Kat Club. I have also been to the Kit Kat Club. Do <laughs> <laughs> you want to explain what it is? Okay. So the Kit Kat Club, I, I mean, one might call it like a sex club. Mm. I, you know, I think that's, is that the technical term for it? I think it's just called a club. And in Berlin, that just means that there is going to be sex. I have a friend from college who was living in Berlin. And we said, hey, we'd like to go out to a club. And he said, oh, you got to go to Kit Kat Club. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't tell us oh, anything I about was Kit Kat hoping Club. That was, I was hoping that's going to happen. Yeah, we had no idea. I Here's all he tells us. He says, okay, well, you need to be uh, like aware of how to get into a club in Germany. And I was like, oh, I figure you just wait in line. And he goes, no. He goes, dark clothes. Do not wear anything bright, happy. Don't wear any of that. Mm. Do not smile at yeah. the bouncer. Do not yeah. smile at your friends. Don't even look at them. 
He said, when you get up to the bouncer, mm. you let him ask for your ID, you show it, don't smile, don't make small talk. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. You do anything that I just told you not to do, you will not get it. It's true. Now I'm thinking he's lying. The guy in front of us is wearing like a gingham plaid shirt, white and blue. And he's joking with his buddy, having a good old time. Guess at the party goes, Hey, how's it going? I couldn't place his accent, but it was not American. He's like, Hey, how's it going? What's up? So excited to be here. And the, the bouncer looks at him and goes, no. And just points away. And he goes, Oh, my friend's already in there. He goes, we'll tell them you're not coming in. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. we walk in to this place. And at first it seems super normal. There's a coat check. Wait, they let you walk in with you, clothes? Yes. Wow. So we walked You're in, lucky. I was wearing, I was wearing a black Henley, dark jeans mm. and Converse. They're like, you can check your, your coat and clothing here. And I was like, hmm? <laughs> Cause no one, <laughs> no one, I was like, what? And I'm like, okay, here's my coat. Did no one in front of you, like in front of you in the line, take off their clothes? Not at this point. Oh, nice. So I'm like, I give them my coat and they go, do you want to check anything else? Now I don't know what's going on yet. So I go, no. And same with my friends. They're like, no, we go in. And I'm like, and it's very like, it's, it's almost like I'm strobing. So you can't really see mm. a lot of what's going on. Mm. And I say, I'll go get us drinks. So I walk up to the bar. For those who are not watching at home, you're not really going to get this. But for those watching, you're going to see exactly what happened. I did this. Oh, may I have? no. <laughs> And I just look, and I just look right up. I, I I immediately look up to the ceiling because this bartender Naked. is topless in a thong, just thong, shoes, nothing else. And I am like so caught off guard. I am looking so hard at the ceiling. My neck might have snapped. I am just like <laughs> staring into the sky, and I'm like trying to like make conversation. I'm like, so what what uh, what beers do you have? And she goes, well, you can see what's on tap right here. I'm like, I'll just take your word for it. Maybe oh, that one. It was a female bartender. Yes, You yes. did not say that. Oh, I'm sorry. It was a female bartender. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. And, yeah. So she, so, so, so her <laughs> boobs are just right in front of me. And again, I had no warning this was happening. <laughs> so you're like, what the fuck is this? I was so confused. <laughs> You're like, all right, that's just her. And then you go into the rest of the club. Oh, don't even get me started. <laughs> I finally get the beers. I like make very intense eye contact with her because I don't want to look. I feel like it's rude, you know? I turn and I'm not exaggerating when I tell you, I see in two seconds of turning three different naked men just swinging their material all around. Really? Oh my gosh. And I'm just like, <clears throat> ha. <laughs> And one of my friends comes up to me, he goes, so you're not going to believe this. I go, is it about this place? Are you going to tell me something about this place? Because I'll believe it. And he, and he goes, uh, he goes, I, I think I just saw two people having sex. I'm like, I, I, you did. You definitely did. And, um, we found out that we were in, for all intents and purposes, for our, for, as far as we went, a sex club. But we ended up having a good time. Like, you know, we danced, we hung out. I went and like climbed up to this upward section and like danced in this cage above the whole dance floor. It was very fun. But I will tell you, it was the most scary experience of my life. I was, I've never had that much nudity and sex thrown in my face when I was not at all prepared. And I just mm -hmm. felt like a Puritan. I was like, oh, I can't look at your boobs. You know, like I was like, but keep them away. After a while, were you, were you not getting accustomed to it and be like, all right, it's just skin, whatever. Yeah, I got a little more used to it okay. over time. And there was definitely some social lubricant involved where I was yeah. having some beers and I felt a little more comfortable, mm -hmm. but it definitely took me a second to be like, oh yeah. Because my immediate thought was, when I saw that bartender, oh my gosh, I shouldn't look. I shouldn't look. That's so inappropriate. Yeah. When in reality, it's almost more inappropriate to make a thing of it than to just be like, this is what's happening and it's all good. And she has a job. She's serving drinks and order a drink. Don't and be weird. She wouldn't do it if she didn't like it or if she didn't, wasn't okay with it, I guess. You know what I mean? And why well, even more so, I was like, me being weird isn't helping me and it's certainly not helping no, her. I hear you. And I think with your upbringing in America, with nudity isn't a thing here at all. In American TV, you could watch someone get the side of their head blown out by a shotgun. But if you see a quarter of a nipple, then the police come. You know what I mean? It's so weird, right? And so this is Berlin, right? They don't give a shit. Yeah, they just yeah. do whatever they want. Like you'll see a lawyer next to a stripper and they're just dancing, you know, it's just, just having fun. But that's how it kids. should be, right? Exactly. It's funny. A lot of people tend to forget that America was founded by a puritanical group of individuals. So a lot of us are unaccustomed to that idea. I know, I know, I get it. It disappointed me in myself that like I had such like a like reaction of like, oh my God, look away, you know? But like, I, I think if someone had told me ahead of time, like, hey, this is what the story is, I would have been like, oh, cool. Yeah. But like, I think I was so caught off guard, you know? I just love, Amer see Americans come to Europe and get that feeling of like, you know, 
chill. It's fine. We're good. You know, because if, if I were in America and I would just all of a sudden, you know, jump into the pool naked, people would be like, oh, what? no, this is not okay. And everybody yeah. would yeah. outrage it, outrage, right? But if Americans come to a country where everybody's doing it, then all of a sudden they relax into this, oh, okay, this, this is possible too. And they accept it. And I love it because it takes away of this, oh, intensity. Yeah, I know? hate that. I yeah. hate that I have that. I know, but you were brought up like that, conditioned with this globe trotter, you know, generation that we are. We can go anywhere. You know, the internet shows you everything. I hope that this stuff goes away where, you know, we're too this or too that. Like I'm German. I came here. Yeah. I was brought up German, right? So in a way, my thinking has always been, okay, I'm going to give you advice. That's, that's Germans. Is that a German thing? Oh, unsolicited advice to everything. So not just fixing problems, which is my male energy, I guess, but also giving unsolicited advice. Terrible. Like, I don't feel like you've ever done that. I mean, I ask for your advice a lot, but I don't think that you've ever just been like, here's advice and you're going to take it. I fight it very hard. Do you really? Well, because when I came here, you guys don't do that at all. We smile too much. That's our problem. (laughs) It's a very American thing. Yeah. Maybe. Listen, first like album that a comedian records obviously can't be six hours, right? <laughs> so like you can't cover everything. Right. But I, did you have the chance or the interest in talking about any of that stuff? You know, when you start, you have all these jokes, you're not super proud of them. And <laughs> <laughs> what a way to phrase that, you know, maybe they're not the greatest things you've ever written. Sure. Oh, when I started comedy, I swore myself, I will never talk about being German. I will never talk about being a woman, which, okay, bygones, but, <laughs> um, but uh-huh. and I will never talk about being gay because I hate people doing that. So you took those three and you said immediately right off the bat, they're out. Because when I watch people doing that, I go, oh God, here we go. Does it feel pandering? Is that what it feels like? Or it feels cheap? Does it feel easy? Yeah, easy. I easy. Think. Okay. So you were like those three out. It's most of the time stereotypical, most of the time non-interesting. I'll give you that. Um, it's hard to have a unique take on any of those three things. It differentiates enough that it's like a killer joke. And like we said in the beginning, you know, when you start, you're not that good at joke writing first. Yeah. And then also you kind of try to cater to the people, especially when you go on the road. I can't be, hey, people in whatever state. By the way, I know you remember Germans differently, but now we have actually, you know, in Berlin, we have this and we have currywurst, you know, and the beer gardens and the Kit Kat. I can't do that. They're going to be yeah. like, what? A, we don't know Germans. B, the only thing we know about Germany is Hitler. And that's it, you know? And so- So you in, play to the room. You kind of in, do in the beginning and you're like, ugh, this is terrible. But to answer your question, in the album, I haven't gotten to the deeper level yet, but part of me wanting to do an album is so that I kind of put a couple of check marks on introducing being from Germany being a lawyer by training, the gender topics, right? Starting with them. And Mm -hmm. so my hope is on the second album that I'll do, I can touch on, you know, a level deeper of the complexity. Interesting. You know, nationalities and stuff. But yeah, I, I don't think I was able or even prepared enough to do that yet on the first album. So, I mean, correct me if I'm mischaracterizing it, but it sounds like the first album is almost like a broader brush of like, here's some interesting things that pique me, that make me want to discuss them with you. And if you like a lot of these, now that you know me, just know that we might drill in deeper in any of these down the line. But for now, here's a cursory view of kind of what rocks my boat. Yeah, I like that. I don't know what my first step is. Am I interested in building toward an album or not? I don't know. Hmm. But if I were doing a collection of things I care about, I don't really know at this point in my life what they reflect because the jokes that I was writing five, six, however many years ago are not at all the same Hmm. as the things I care about now. Some of them hint at it, right? Like I, I, I posted a joke. It alluded to the fact that my dad died. That was the only joke I had about that. I want to talk about it a lot more now, not because I have any issues related to that, but more like, honestly, some slightly darker ideas about like the benefits of losing a parent. That's what I want to talk about. And it's dark, but talking about the benefits of of experiencing a loss and going to that point, I don't know if recording a first album, if I were to bring out all those old jokes, I'd be like, hey, look at this. I hint at it. I'm like, no, if I'm going to go, let's go. You know, I don't know. That's just, I'm thinking out loud. As a comedian, you have to, I think you have to grow, right? You start out as this person, you cater to the room. At some point you're like, no, I'm not going to do that. 
And then you also, while you're experiencing the profession, you're experiencing yourself. Like, who am I? What really makes me tickle? Yeah. What are the topics that I like? And putting aside the wanting to please everybody, what do I really want to talk about? What do I want people to take away when they go home? Right? Mm. So this is a journey to me. And, and if you would have asked me, what are three topics that Josh Lenzet should talk about on stage? I wouldn't be able to tell you right now either. Yeah, well, listen, brainstorm and get back to me because I, I need to figure it. <laughs> no, I think maybe you're not there. If you don't feel it, I feel like maybe you're not there yet, but I feel like you're on a path. And we talked about being dark twice now. So maybe that's one of the things that's coming your way. But but if I had to tell somebody about your stand-up, I would say you are being yourself on stage too. Yeah. You are this reflective person, talking fast, having all these like details that you're also weaving in. Maybe it feels more like wanting to trust you know, trust that and, and trust the funny in, in that and in being you, you know. Here I am being a German, giving you unsolicited no, advice. No, no, no. Oh my go. God, that is so funny. That brings us to our, our second segment. But well, the second segment you've kind of already done. Okay. The second segment is Teach Me Something. Where I have my guest teach me anything. It could take five seconds, could take 10 minutes, mm -hmm. preferably not 10 minutes because no one has that attention span. Yeah. But you've taught me so much already. If, okay. If you have anything left, you'd like a, a tiny little thing you want to teach me, please, by all means. Do you know sign language? Certainly not enough to get by in a conversation. I could say, my name is Josh. That's all I have. Oh, really? Did you know that sign language is different from country to country? So I know that ASL is American Sign Language, mm -hmm. and I assume the implication is that there's non-American. So German Sign Language and American Sign Language are not at all the same. Yeah. Do you know any sign language? Mm -hmm. German Sign Language. Okay. Do you know it fluently? <sighs> A little bit. Okay. So if I said my name is Josh in American Sign Language, it's not at all the same. Really? My name is my name. This? Yeah. Name. And then you spell it out. A-N-N-I-C-K. I think the alphabet is- The alphabet looked similar to me. Yeah. But the, the signs are different. And you know uh, what my German deaf friend taught me is yeah. American Sign Language is a lot about using the actual, the first letter of the word yeah. and signing with it. So it doesn't surprise me that this is N and then name is this. Oh. Yeah. Whereas German Sign Language doesn't care about, I mean, this sure, is it's also N, right? In a way, name. Oh, this actually makes a little more sense to me because like name is part of your identity. So you're almost saying like name because this is my face, this is my name. Mm. I don't know if that's how it came out to be. Oh, there you go. How did you, so Wait, you just learned that because you have a friend? I literally ran into somebody in a super cool bar in Berlin and they were the and they and they were signing and I always wanted to learn it because being, you know, gay, whatever, LGBTQ. I loved the idea that we all assume we're all the same and then some people just aren't. And yeah. it's the same for hearing that we all assume people hear because we do, you know, and they don't. And I always want to learn it. They start signing. I'm like, oh my God, I, I want to be friends with this person. Yeah. And then I just literally walked over and I was like, I'm, I'm learning sign language. And he's like, oh, and he starts signing. I'm like, hey, no, 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 I'm not there yet. You know? Could he read lips? Yeah, he's really good in reading lips and he has hearing aids. So he can, with the hearing aids, he can actually hear 30% which was so helpful. Yeah. Yeah, because then he could teach me and we could talk. One of my favorite childhood memories, this is a really silly memory. Mm -hmm. I don't remember how it happened, but at school we learned very minimal sign language. Okay, like, I love that. that so so like that. the my name is Josh thing, and I learned that when I was, I want to say it was like six or seven, nice. but that's all they taught us. Mm -hmm. But I thought it was really cool. Mm -hmm. So we went to this supermarket near where I grew up. Mm. I went with my mother and I saw a deaf woman. She must've been talking to someone and she was kind of like figuring out what, what eggs she wanted, I think. And I caught that she was deaf. Now, me being an idiot kid who doesn't know any better decides like, oh, I should just go up and talk to her, mm -hmm. which is ridiculous because she's, you know, she's doing her own thing. What am I doing? But I go up to her as this like kid. I leave my mom. I go up to her and I sign to her. My, name, My is name is Josh. I love it. And she looks at me and I, I hope this isn't offensive, but like she said, you know, in, in her voice, mm -hmm. she goes, Josh. Ooh. And I was like, enamored. I thought this was the greatest moment of my life because she said my name Yeah, and I got so excited. Yeah, And then she signed to me and said her name. Mm. I was like, I thought we nailed it. I was like, man, we did the greatest thing that's ever happened today. <laughs> <laughs> and, I just like, and, I, and I got so excited and I ran back to my mom and I brought her over to this woman and I said her name. And my mom goes, it's nice to meet you. And, and the woman was like, they were very nice and sweet whenever. Yeah. And off we go. 
But like I told that story, I came home, I told my dad, I'm like, I met a person, You're my a friend hero. now. Yeah, I was like, I met, I met someone. We communicated, not in spoken English. We crushed it. I was so excited. I was convinced she was my friend. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd see her at the grocery store the next time we went. I was convinced. I'm like, this lady and I are best friends now. That's hilarious. Um, but that is one of my favorite childhood memories is from doing that. You should talk about that on stage. I love that story and it reflects on who you are. You know, you're this, oh, oh I know something. I'm going to show this. Yeah, and then it works. And then you're like, now we're best friends. I know. It was the most, Perfect. like in the hindsight, what an obnoxious thing to approach a stranger and just be like, I know four words, yeah, you know? Yeah. But I, oh man, I was so excited. Yeah, I get it. Ugh, um, is okay. There, is there something you teach me too? No. Do, no. Is there something you want me to teach you? I yeah. feel like I have nothing to teach you. What is one thing that you would teach me? Oh gosh. One thing that I would teach you. This is a really small thing. I'm going to tell you something that I do mm. that my friends think is crazy. Mm. But I truly believe in this. When you are doing something menial, some kind of task that is like really simple or basic or that you take for granted that involves another person that you don't know, mm-hmm. ask them their name and recite it back to them. So for example, if you are buying a ticket for the train and they help you, oh, what was your name? Darius. Thanks so much, Darius. I really appreciate it. If you have a server, they come over. Hi, welcome to wherever you are. Can I help you with a drink? You'd be like, what's your name? Mm-hmm. And they give you your name and say, oh, I'll have a cup of tea. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Amelia, whatever their name is. Because as someone who has had a lot of jobs, I was a server, I was a bartender, I've done a lot of these things. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem like a big deal to you, but those moments are moments of humanity Mm. that show that you are recognizing another person as a person, not as the person who sells you your train ticket, not as the person that serves you your food, but as another individual with feelings, a life, a story, and all of that. So I always tell people, if you have the opportunity when you are talking to someone to ask them their name and use their name in conversation, to me, there is no greater way to recognize the people that you encounter in your day-to-day, no matter how small, than to do something like that. So maybe that's not a great teach me something, but that is something I do that I always recommend to other people. And I think that it's a very easy way to make someone's day. Mm, I love it. I, I I hope it does make their day. I feel like sometimes it gets so, you know, we get so jaded where we're like, thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it too. No, no, I appreciate you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate you too. You know, like it's like that. Yeah. But if you, I trust you on that one, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Listen, you know, here's the thing. It's, it's nice to do someone else. And on a side note, mm-hmm. like it'll make you feel good because we go around this world. Mm-hmm. A lot of us, I'm not saying all of us, a lot of us go around this world and everything is incredibly transactional. Yeah, that's true. You make my coffee, I give you money. Yeah. I try to do it with waiters for sure because I've I was a waiter too. That's how I've made my money during college years. Yeah. And it sucked. I worked at Applebee's. It was oh, awful. Oh, I love it. I can see that though. Oh, Welcome sure. Welcome to Applebee's. What is two for 20 deals? They were good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's the next segment? Okay. Well, uh, let's take you to your final segment. The final segment is the lightning round. It's fast questions. Don't have to be fast answers. Oh, okay. Okay. Question one. What is a favorite ritual of yours? So mine is making tea. What would be a favorite of yours? This is going to sound a little spiritual, but every day I try to remember to be thankful for three things. I have this gratitude journal that I have and I try to literally sit down and go, okay, what are three things that you're grateful for? And I say them out loud. Oh. And then I try to really feel it. Is it in the morning? Doesn't matter. Okay. I usually do it in the morning because it reminds you, it resets your mind of like, you know how much time you spend, oh, this is this sucks and this is shitty and this problem. I'm very good at that, yeah. And so I really try to do that and it has changed my attitude. Like I had a flat tire the other day. I mean, the other day before pre, pre-pandemic, after a show, I, into a nail. This was in Fresno. And I'm like, fuck. That and makes want, sense. Yeah. And I wanted to go to a campground and, and sleep there. And I was like, no, with a flat tire, never. Like I just pulled into the next driveway or on, on the street and I slept in my car on the street. And I was like, fuck. And because of the gratitude journal, my first thing was, anyway, let me let me see if there's a tire you know, uh, shop around. And uh, around the corner, like, right there, there was a tire shop that was going to open at 8 a.m. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. There's just one around the corner. And I went to the positive thing instead of being like, what the F? I have a flat, I can't, you know, obsess about the negativity. Yeah. So 
So I don't know. That's one ritual. I, I love that ritual. I want to look into doing that myself. The singing out loud thing really gave it a nice touch. Yeah. Me. Okay. Number two, what is a running bit you have with a friend or a partner that makes you laugh? I have a best friend. Uh, she's in Germany. We were in Ireland once. We were driving the car and we understood nothing of what they were saying. They were speaking Gaelish or whatever it's called. You know, this language where I, you're like, I have no I know idea Gaelic what it is. in Ireland is oh, really- that's the one. My sister's name is is actually of Gaelic origin. That's oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you think you understand, but you don't. And so we were listening to the radio. And of course, we were understanding nothing. It was hilarious to us already. But they kept saying this thing where they go, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And we were like, from that on, we were just like, because it sounds so ridiculous. <laughs> so she would go, oh, we should get coffee. And I would be like, uh-huh. And she's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And so we just... <laughs> Keep doing that. That's a good answer. I like that answer. Right. Question three, can you do an impression of one or both of your parents? Oh yeah. I used to do that, by the way. That's how I discovered I like stand-up. I would imitate my mom. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. And we would have these, you know, gatherings of like 30 years married, you know, the yeah, 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 social sure. gatherings. And I would do, perform stand-up in front of, yeah, in front of the crowd. And I would imitate my mom and they would lose it because my mom is from Slovakia originally okay. and she has this thick accent, right? So when she talks, I can't really show you, like when she speaks German, she has a Slovakian accent. When I do it in English, it kind of sounds like a, a Latina accent, but it, yeah, so here goes, right? Instead of saying, hi, my name is Maya, I'm from Germany, she would go, hi, my name is Maya, like that. I am from Germany. So like this, and it sounds weird. And I loved it and I imitated her and um, she hated it. Oh, well, Obviously. I mean, of course, but but also shout out to Maya. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Question four, have you ever experienced imposter syndrome? And if so, is there a particular moment that sticks out to you? Yeah, I think we all do, don't I mean, we? I, yeah, well, listen, I live it every day. But um, <laughs> is there any, but, but for someone like you who's like done a lot of cool stuff, is there any particular moment that kind of sticks out to you? I feel like a lot of times during my job, I feel like I'm an imposter. So I'm a lawyer, right? By yeah, training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when people ask me, you know, a lot of things, they're like, well, I want to look into, you know, this privacy problem. And I'm sure, you know, under Gleba, you know, we can't do this and this and that. And I would be like, yeah, 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 sure. I know. And then pff, I'd Google it. You about Gleba though. Yeah, I got yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, Graham Leach Bliley Act. Okay, Kleber, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, of course I know, but yeah, like that, you know, sometimes, and, and I feel terrible, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. My final question for you, mm. what is your favorite tea? Ooh. Because some, for some people I say, what's your favorite tea or comfort if you don't drink tea? But I know you drink tea. I do. So what is your favorite tea? Obsessively, actually, every night. Uh, I'm a big fan of the yogi teas. I'm not okay. gonna lie. I like the good old cardamom. Ooh, lovely, very ginger, nice. Ginger, lavender, cinnamon stuff. I love that. Yeah. Well, that's all we have. How do you feel? Good? I love this. This is so fun. I know. Um, and let me just say this. I'm looking right down the barrel. Anika Dell, go find that album. Get people over to the album. I love it. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. That was Anika Dell. You can follow Anique on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Anique Adele. Buy Anique special Between Two Worlds on Apple Music or whatever platform you use for laughs. Steep Conversations is produced and edited by Lucas Marschka. Our theme song and additional music are by Oliver Hymack. Our cover art was done by Neil Fraser with photography by Matt Mazisco. Social media by Dia Villegas. Please write a review and rate our podcast on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you can. You can send any questions, comments, newly friend game suggestions, or tea suggestions to steepcombos at gmail.com or tweet us at steepcombos. I'm Josh Lanzette, and you can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook at Josh Lanzette. We'll be back next week. So until then, happy steeping. Steeping.